0: Did you know advanced high-strength steels are the leading material used by automakers to achieve the new fuel economy standards? Advanced high-strength steels are lighter in weight and reduce greenhouse gas emissions without compromising safety, performance, or affordability. Steel, a sound, sustainable investment. Today, tomorrow, and beyond. For more information, visit autosteel.org.
1: You know why I pulled you over, ma'am? I need you to recalibrate the Doppler shift on the return signal. Radar's on the frisk. Do Sonata drivers know something you don't? The Sonata from Hyundai.
2: And now, here is your host, John McElroy. Thanks for joining us on Autoline this week, where we're going to be talking about all the infotainment systems that are in cars, and I've got three experts to delve into that topic, starting with Mike Hitchme, the manager of design of infotainment systems at General Motors, Alan Kudla, the senior vice president of sales and marketing at Panasonic, and Marios Zenias, the vice president of UConnect systems at Chrysler. Great having you all on the set. Thanks with me for having me today. Good to be
3: with you, John.
2: You. Can you guys believe how much we've made in terms of progress in infotainment systems? Marios, uh, you've been in the business a long time. I first met you back when you were at Motorola. Did you ever dream that we would have the level of connectivity in cars that we do today? Yeah, absolutely, John. The dreams were there. Yes, we all uh, talked
1: about the dreams, but in those days, the challenge was the technology. We did not have the technology that we have today to bring those dreams to realization. So over the last 15 to 20 years, a lot has happened in the semiconductor industry, wireless computing uh, that allowed us to bring those solutions to reality now
2: so i am glad to be part of the industry and uh, be here to drive the future but uh alan as uh, mario said it, it it took technology but that technology's got to be user friendly right this has got to be one of the big issues that as a supplier supplying to the different automakers you're really grappling with now
3: yeah there's no question about it but uh I- Certainly, I share the excitement and enthusiasm Mario's has. This is an exciting time for us. And, and, you know, and in Panasonic, I guess we've seen for quite some time the consumer side of the business, right, and always wanting to get into the automobile the way it has more recently. And so it's a, it's a great opportunity, exciting time, and a good transition. But you're exactly right. There's a lot of factors that go into the right HMI and how people can use it, uh, how easy is it to use, uh, how intuitive is it. Uh, response time, all those things that make it possible, but the technology, as Mario said, needs to be there. And now it's there in an exciting time, and now it's a matter of how do we make it work effectively for the consumer.
2: And HMI being human-machine interface, correct, right?
3: Correct. Whether that's voice recognition or, or through other uh, switches and so on, there's many ways in which to interact. And so that's, a, that's an important part about how well the consumer is accepted because at the end of the day, that's what we're all here for.
2: Mike, General Motors is coming out right now with a new system called Q on sure. Cadillac and uh, talking about technology providing feedback and the like. I, I think you guys have a, a screen that will actually give you haptic feedback. And yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: You can feel when you touch it. Absolutely. Them. So, you know, we've had touch screens in cars for quite a long time, and one of the limitations was you touch the button, you really don't get a response. We've done some, some audio feedback. You can hear a little beep, but. We wanted to take that up a little level, and so what we've got in the uh, Cadillac Q is the screen actually moves under your finger. So as you touch a button, you get a sensation through your finger. It gives you this, this sensation while you're driving, so you don't really have to look at the screen and know that you've act- activated it.
2: So you can just keep your eye on the road and, right. and get this, this kind of yep. feedback that way. And of course, this has been on other devices, notably yeah. uh, mobile phones,
4: uh, to some extent, uh, similar technology. The the nice thing about doing it in the car uh, is that with a phone, you're holding onto the phone and trying to activate it. So, like your left hand vibrates and your right hand. So it's kind of a weird experience with mm-hmm. the way unless you're done. left-handed. None of yeah, the opposite. That's true. Yeah, I know right. that firsthand. <laughs> so uh, it is it is it is uh, a little different because now you're touching. You don't really get the sensation of the left hand holding the phone. So. Mm-hmm. Mentally, you really think that under your finger, something like the button that you're touching is, is moving.
2: Mm-hmm. Marios, the, the Uconnect system that you've uh, helped develop at Chrysler is, is getting all kinds of accolades. It's being very, very simple and easy to use. Give us some pointers. Well, what have you guys really done to make it easy to use?
1: Yeah, so uh, thanks for the question, John. So the, the first thing we did is go listen to customers. And, and based on the simplicity Uh, They asked us to make the system very intuitive, easy to learn, obviously, and easy to use. So this was the foundation of our strategy. So every decision we made was, uh, you know, found, you know, foundation there. But we did spend a lot of time in market research and uh, consumer workshops and so on to try to study everything that we did that we have proven that we have accomplished the goal of simplicity. So uh using that as a foundation we saw, we added the features then that made the system uh you know
2: exciting and fun and 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 intuitive to use one of the things of course is you've got a fairly big screen in your cars i think it's 8.8.4 8.4 yeah. 4 inches so that's got to help. Just by getting a bigger screen, you can have bigger graphics, easier to read, easier to reach. Isn't, isn't that a key that, enabler, having a bigger screen? Yeah, having a bigger screen, absolutely. But also um, the, um,
1: you know, marrying the screen with other uh, controls in the vehicle, it, it's the combination of the whole experience. The whole system brings the experience together. So having the buttons on the steering wheel, by right, having voice recognition, you don't have to touch the screen all the time. You know, even though the screen is nice and big and beautiful, you don't necessarily have to reach out and touch it. If you can use your voice or if you can use the steering wheel controls to change the radio station or to initiate a phone call, um, you know, that's part of the user experience on on how to enhance the driving and keep the customer focused on the road. Also, we have chosen, uh, based on the uh, voice of the customer that we've done, to provide uh, both kinds of controls, both uh, uh, touch controls on the screen, but as well as we maintain the mechanical, the traditional mechanical controls, so if uh, the customers want to uh, proceed adopting the new technology at their own pace, they have the option to still continue to use the old dials to, you know, set their temperature and uh, volume control and tune their stations and so on. Um, But if at some point they migrate to using the screen or using their voice, you know, the system works very well and very intuitive to perform all those functions.
3: If I could add uh, as well, we were fortunate enough to work with Marios and and his team at Chrysler on the Uconnect. And, you know, the one additional thing that people often lose sight of, you know, you said also the size of the screen makes a big difference. Only if you use it right. Only if you use the icons right, if the graphics are, are sound, if it's intuitive how to use it. But the one point I, I just wanted to interject that I think really helped make that a success for them too is, is the attention to the response time, right? It's, it's an overlooked facet of, of what it takes, but taking your eyes off the road, if you, if you have a slow response time on the display, which Uconnect doesn't, it's very quick, and I think that, that bodes to the success that they've had with that system is response time's critical. The longer you're looking down,
2: the less time you can be
3: looking up. Mm-hmm. So how do you
2: shorten the, the
3: response time?
2: What, what is the technology in the system? That, well, there's a lot of happen. software
3: now, right? We're all talking about software anymore and how do you efficiently uh, run software and, and how do you integrate it into the vehicle? And, and so, it, I mean, it truly is a collaborative effort now, you know, with, between the supply base and, and the automakers about what you want to accomplish with the system. A lot of things help, right? Marios mentioned that, uh, you have different knobs for similar functions. That takes away from the complexity of it as well. So there's a lot of aspects to it, but uh, it's, an, it's an important feature. And as Mike mentioned, I think, even, even on the queue, um, having a response, right? He knows, the, the, the consumer knows when they get a response. If they don't see it, they feel it. It's both similar feedback. But is consumer. it just software,
2: or do you need uh, a faster microprocessor, for example, well, there's to get a lot that pieces. response?
3: Yeah, it's all of the above, right? And how it all comes together and marries it. How is, it's it, how is it integrated? Right? Yep. So it's clearly is, is it
2: a cost issue as well? I mean, do you get that speed by spending more money, or is it just a matter of doing it well?
4: I think it's smart system design, so regardless of the money you spend, um, ba- you know, basically having to, I hate to use the word balance, but balance all of the things that you're asking of the system. So whether it's Great. the lowest cost radio we've ever produced or the highest cost, you don't ask too much of the, of the system that you're designing. And then you work with the, the tier ones to make sure that the hardware and the software um, meet the requirements of the customer. So it really doesn't matter. Like it's not something we have to dump money and to make happen. It's really more about smart design. It's a
1: design philosophy. Yeah, it's like if you start out with that is the goal, you will end up achieving it. But if if that becomes an afterthought, if the consumer experience becomes an afterthought, and you're doing something just for technology's sake, you're going to end up with maybe some undesirable result. But setting your goals clearly on responsiveness, uh, ease of use, intuitiveness, almost to the point where the user interface is, we call it. Be, it has to be obvious, not just easy to use, but it has to be obvious to everybody, to all the demographics.
2: I've got to believe the industry is learning by doing mm. in the sense that, you know, if I go back almost a decade when uh, the BMW iDrive system came out, it was you know, very heavily criticized. Even Ford's My Ford Touch has been heavily criticized. So I've got to believe that a lot of this is, even though you do your consumer research, your market research, you put it out there and you still learn from what's happening once you put it in production, is that right?
4: Look at the iPhone, I mean, when it first came out it was panned for not having a physical keyboard. So I think there's a degree of learning from what we launch I mean, we'd, we'd be fools not to improve based on feedback we get but there's also a degree of uh, kind of pre preconceived notions about what a radio should be or what an interior should be And so we sort of have to fight that, you know. So the, the um, I mean, the iPhone I think is a great example. It doesn't satisfy everybody. Not everybody owns an iPhone. It's a great product, but there are going to be people who are just absolutely against having a fully touch screen, no physical keyboard. So as much as Apple improves it, unless they add a keyboard, they're not going to satisfy those people. I think we're going to have that. in vehicles, right? So people buy the car, they may not be happy exactly with the system that they get. We'll do the best job that we can do to design it, but it, it doesn't necessarily live up to what they feel is needed in the radio. And we'll, we'll, we'll constantly kind of have that noise floor, but we're also um, evolving as we launch these things. If you look at BMW over the period of, you know, 10 years, they've added some buttons back to the iDrive. They've taken the user feedback and they've improved. I mean, I, I actually love to use the iDrive. Uh-huh. It's, a, it's a great system. When we benchmarked it against some of our systems, we still do better from a user friendliness standpoint. But if you live with it for a while, you really grow to love it. But it's geared towards a specific customer, and the one customer that is going to, you know, not like it, no matter what BMW does, this person I guarantee you will not like that. So never like it, right? Yeah. So there's a there's a mixture of things going on here.
2: Alan, i got to believe that, uh, again, dealing with different automakers, this is something that you guys have got to really think your way through. And, and not, not just learning what the market wants, but your customer, the, the end user, the yeah. person who's in the car has got to learn how to use this. Yeah,
3: that's exactly right, John. It, it, you know, in the days of old, which I don't miss, uh, was you get a spec, you design, and on you go those days don't exist in this space anymore. It's really a more interactive process. We can bring a, co- you know, a lot of knowledge, fortunately, from Panasonic about how consumers like to use products. We can, we can help share that. But you're right, each automaker wants their own touch and feel as well. So there's a balance there, right? What's user acceptable, what's maybe somewhat consistent with what they're gonna deal with in their other products because the one thing we know for sure now is customers, consumers don't want, they want the versatility and commonality, whether they're in their home on electronics or have a mobile device or in their vehicle, or now in Panasonic's case, even on an airplane, um, there's certain traits that we can recognize people want. And to be able to leverage that and to talk with with guys like these about uh, what we've learned and what they're learning from feedback from their customers is really invaluable in the long run to evolve
2: the product. Marius, Mike makes a, a good point that there's different customers. Some don't want this stuff at all and others would not buy a car without it. How do, you, how do you balance that? How do you figure out the installation rate or what cars get what mm-hmm. system? How do you figure that out? So that's right. So when
1: we look at our customers, and you can imagine all the research we do, uh, we find out that just about everybody likes to experience what the technology has to offer, the content. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily the technology. They may, may be afraid of the technology, but everybody likes the result of it. So our job is to use the the technology as an enabler to get the content and get the experience to the consumer the way they like it. And each person likes it a different way. If we use music as an example, people like to listen to their music in different ways, right? So our job is to create a system that would allow, if you like to bring in your music on an iPad, you should be able to do that. If you like to listen to me on music on high-definition radio, that's fine. We should accommodate those consumers. It's no different if we look at the consumer electronic industry and look at an example. We mentioned devices like iPads and so on. Uh, people who ra- like to read books, they-, they can buy books on an iPad. But in order to read it on an iPad, that means they have to go buy an iPad. They may not be electronics people, but they made a- an electronics purchase just to get to the end result of doing what they love best. So if we look from the consumer analogies and transfer those and make them, customize them for the vehicle, but again, the difference in the vehicle is that the primary objective is to drive, right? So that's why we got to always remember. We never forget that, okay? So everything else has to come secondary to that, and it has to be adjusted to enhance the driving experience. Mm -hmm. So yeah, in, in that case technology becomes our enabler friend and not the primary thing that you
2: put in the face of the customer. Okay. Yeah. So they don't buy technology, they buy no. benefits they and buy features, right? Features, experiences, right. content. And one that I would add that I love is being able to stream music from a radio station via my phone through the car speakers, through Pandora or some of the other services like that. So I, I, I happen to love it.
1: So for customers like yourself, uh, John, yes, absolutely. Our system accommodates uh, streaming you know, internet radio through your phone onto the nice audio system of the vehicle. But there are other customers that say, I don't want to do that. I want to listen to our uh, satellite uh, stations, listen to uh,
2: the content there, sports uh, and so on. Mm -hmm. Mike, imagine at Cadillac, you must've had a a discussion about Mm -hmm. the Q system Mm -hmm. because the Cadillac buyer is an older buyer. One would think maybe is not interested in this kind of technology and yet, Typically, new technology comes into luxury cars because it's usually more expensive and it's easier to cost justify it going in a luxury car. Did you have that debate? Is, is Q really proper for Cadillac or should it be in a different brand?
4: I think the, yeah, the overall feature content of Q, like the, some of the stuff that Marius was talking about, Bluetooth or USB, iPod connectivity... All cars, in some sense, want to offer that, whether it be a luxury vehicle or not a luxury vehicle. Um, there are some elements of Q that that really confine it to a more expensive vehicle: the piano black finish, the um, proximity sensing, the haptic feedback. That these kinds of things make the system more expensive. But but generally speaking, a lot of the core features we want those for for all of our vehicles. Now, if you take a look at um, what we're doing with Cadillac Q, I mean, we build more than one vehicle for Cadillac, so we've got an ATS coming out, um, uh, this, I'd call that a much more youth-oriented vehicle, performance vehicle. Um, we've got the SRX, we've got the XTS this year, and so it's not um, necessarily about like the older customer, or the aging customer, we've got quite a bandwidth of customer. Um, older customers buy Chevys, older customers buy Cadillacs, right? Um, so our goal is to provide those features, but not have them be in the way of people who don't, who don't want any of these extra features. So if they don't want Bluetooth streaming or they don't want to use the USB connectivity, it, it still works like a basic radio. And we did a lot of ride-alongs with customers, Cadillac and actually competitive vehicles. And what we found is um, a majority of those customers really do a few things. They set a few presets, a f- few stations that they listen to regularly. And then they drive, and then they either use their steering wheel controls or some type of control to toggle through their presets. So Q, I mean, at its basic level, still offers that, and and, and nothing that we've added to Q gets in the way of doing that. That was always a kind of a primary focus, and I think um, that the same thing with with the Chrysler system. I mean, you can still can use it just as a as a radio if you want to, and that that has to be the the underlying thing that just that kind of that's a price of entry. So when we talked about the iDrive earlier, like the early versions of the iDrive in order to use the radio you had to go into a few menus and things like that and later they they added back basic radio controls so that the person didn't have to learn how to use iDrive mm-hmm. to like tune the radio and so I think that um, you know, with Q, that's, we're not making them learn something new to use a radio And we're giving them new features that if they're interested in exploring, they're kind of presented in a way that would be familiar to them if they use an iPad or an iPhone or a Blackberry or something like that. But if they haven't, we've got help for them to do that.
2: So, Alan, where's this all going? I mean, you know, I I can't Mm. believe how much has come into the car already. Conceptually, at least, what can you tell us about some of the future that we'll have in connectivity and, and infotainment?
3: Yeah, I think uh, the first obvious thing is, you know, the the days of old, if you will, or the past was you were confined to what you could put into a vehicle, and the criticism and problem was that, you know, every three, four, ten years of a life of a car, you're restricted to what you have in. The beauty of it now is, what can you bring in from the outside? How are you connected to the outside Plug and play, you mean, right? Exactly, whether it's plug or play, but also building architectures for radios moving forward in the future, or infotainment devices that have... Flexibility and adaptability—that's important moving forward. But in terms of maybe what's coming, you know, what, what the consumers want to know, I, I think there's a few, uh, maybe a couple of key things. One of them is is a more personalized feel, right? Um, uh, once you have a profile or, of a person or whatever, and they want to listen to certain kinds of music or or have certain pieces of information at certain points of the time of the day, there's ways in which accomplishing that in a vehicle, you can deliver that to a consumer in their multiple environments again, right? It can be in their car or their home or or on their device maybe. So that personalization, as well as I think location-based services, right? You're driving in a certain area, you have more of an interest in things that are around you. You know, When you can combine with GPS and what the navigation systems bring and all the information that's location-based, that's a lot more evolving is coming as well. So I think those are a couple of things that I think are exciting that, that will suit people, make it feel more personalized and have more relevance to them, right? What's relevant to that consumer while they're in
2: that given space? Anything you can add to uh, that? Marios, what can you tell us about what's coming?
1: A couple of thoughts on that, John. One is that, uh, and you asked the question, you know, when are the big screens and these very uh, capable systems going to find themselves down in lower-tier cars? And that's one of the things that's going to happen. You can already see Chrysler. We released the big screen system in the
2: Dodge Dart. Yeah, your, your entry-level car Absolutely. has got the system in with,
1: it. In conjunction with a uh, new cluster that has a seven-inch uh, reformattable to present all the information. The system works in synchrony. Uh, so you're going to see that trend, right? So uh, in addition to that, you're going to see an enhancement of features that are built upon these platforms that we defined as uh, responsible platforms to keep the focus on the road. So as we bring additional navigation experiences, for example, we want to be able to um, offer a better way to enter your destination. So we recently announced on uh, the Ram Track introduction that we we will uh, employ uh, internet search uh, with Bing, Bing search, that you can find you know your favorite points of interest. You have another big area that's coming in the future uh, expanding in the future I should say and that is the uh, uh, telematics area. You know this is where you are in the vehicle and you have a peace of mind. Uh, The peace of mind means that if I need help I can get it easily. Uh, If my car is stolen, if I want to know where I parked my car and I forgot, or if my kids are out driving my car I need to know where they are. All those telematics and telemetry functionality is Coming along the way, and you're going to see more and more of that in the future, and the ability to control that with your smartphones and so on—it's happening as we speak. Uh, moving on to entertainment, as I mentioned, we we want to give the choice to the consumer. I don't, you know, you like the iPad; somebody else likes to listen to CD quality sound, so they want to bring their CDs still. Uh, so. In addition to that, uh, you got satellite, you got HD, you got streaming radio. So today we have nine different ways that you can listen to music in a vehicle. Nine (laughs)
2: different different ways. ways.
1: Unbelievable. And I can enumerate them AM, (laughs) FM, HD, uh, CD, streaming, even an audio jack that you can plug in. We got SD card, Mm -hmm. USB stick, uh, and you name it. So the list goes on. But it's, it's all about consumer choice. But the idea is you got all that choice that you can control with your voice now. Mm -hmm. again you don't need to touch anything all you got to do is your favorite who is your favorite artist push the button on the steering wheel and say find artist you name say the name of the artist and no matter where that artist is in your library whether it's on a USB uh, jump drive or a uh, on your iPhone or your your mp3 player you will find it and start playing it and uh, the last category is uh, communication communication is a huge area we want to make phone calls we want to we want text but we don't like texting in the vehicle. So all that communication arena has to be thought out and new applications have to be developed because we have the foundation. So instead of having people texting on their phones, we want them to put that phone away and don't touch it. And if a text comes
2: in, either you're gonna have the choice to blog it or to listen to it, My mm-hmm. okay? Mike, uh, where's this going in the future in the sense that I want all this stuff that you're talking about but I want it with me all the time. I don't want to park a $2,000 system in my garage at night and not have access to it. And with, I think it's called Chevy MyLink, you can have the phone display navigation through the screen on the car. I mean, isn't that really where it's going to go, where I carry all this stuff with me and it's not this this thing that's
4: baked into the the console? I think it's like all of the above so I, I was listening to to the um I, I mean i completely agree with you like the way to say it is the futures here it's not evenly distributed so pretty much everything that was just kind of you know described is available so we have onstar we can download a destination you can search a point of interest and we can we can download that to your vehicle if you get into an accident we can call for help we can see if you're okay we have um applications that you can load on your device to start your car to find your car um, if your car is an electric vehicle to see the the, the status of, uh, of charging and things like that and we also have systems um, in the pipeline that interface with your phone to essentially replicate what's on your phone on the display um, I would describe that as a feature it's not necessarily like the only thing or the future but we call that mirror link so being able to mirror what's on your phone and the key to that is doing that in a safe way, right? So not all apps are designed to be used while driving. So I think over time what you'll see is we'll expand that capability. Right now you can do it with a navigation app. There's some limitations though, right? So when you've got your phone plugged in and you're navigating, you actually can't make any phone calls if you still want to know where you're going. Mm-hmm. You know, So it's, it's, like, it's a good solution for some uses. But if you want to go on a vacation and you make calls, it's not necessarily a good solution for you.
2: And with that, I'm afraid we're out of time, but Mike Hitchmey, Alan Kudla, Mario Zenios, thanks for coming on, and thank all of you for having tuned in.
0: Did you know advanced high-strength steels are the leading material used by automakers to achieve the new fuel economy standards? Advanced high-strength steels are lighter in weight and reduce greenhouse gas emissions without compromising safety, performance, or affordability. Steel, a sound, sustainable investment. Today, tomorrow, and beyond. For more information, visit autosteel.org.
4: Why? Because plants need water to grow. Because baseball is played in the summer. Oxygen and hydrogen. Because I forgot to get a receipt. Why? Why not? Why? Why don't you go ask your dad?
1: Do Sonata drivers know something you don't?
4: The Sonata
2: from Hyundai.